This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into another night of fun and excitement here, taking your calls about anything. 800-259-9231 tonight. Joining you, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Last night, I said we were going to get to a story. We never did, so I want to make sure we lead off with that tonight. It is about cars, bait cars, as they are called, according to William Gregg at lourockwell.com. Have either of you ever heard of bait cars? It sounds, it sounds like a, a police sting thing. It is a police sting thing, as a matter of fact, and they're trying to sting people who, in many cases, have good intentions. Okay. Uh, because the police aren't about protecting you and providing you with any kind of service. They're about extracting money from people and putting them in prison cells. And this is just another example that proves that. Will Gregg says, Government is an exercise in pure, wasteful consumption. The only things that government can actually make are criminals out of innocent people and corpses out of living human beings. Statists often insist that at least some of government's purely consumptive activity is indispensable, such as law enforcement. But this argument ignores the fact that the first and most important function of police is to collect revenue for the state, and that rather than deterring crimes, police often manufacture them. For example, police departments nationwide use what they call bait cars, automotive, uh, automobiles abandoned by the side of the road with the keys still in the ignition, and surveillance equipment concealed at various points in order to pique the curiosity of well-intentioned people. Any contact with the vehicle or close inspection of the same is then treated as an attempt to burglarize or steal the car, even if the intent were to only learn the identity of the owner. Police in Austin, Texas, recently sprang a, uh, sprang a trap of that kind on Mark Douglas Ledford and his girlfriend Asia Ward. Austin's finest parked a green Honda Accord near Ledford's home. Curious? You know, as you might be if someone parked a car nearby your home. I, I had a car parked in the, the road for like a week uh, next to my house. I had no idea whose it was. <laughs> so, you know, it makes sense for somebody to go up to such a thing and investigate. So, indeed, he did that. And uh, he consulted with his neighbors. Ledford consulted with his neighbors in hopes of fi- uh, identifying an owner, then reported the vehicle to the police. A pair of officers paid a brief visit to the neighborhood and spoke briefly with Ledford. I told them, isn't it strange that someone parked a car there with the windows down and the keys left in it? He recalled. The police replied that there was no problem, since the car was parked legally and left. Puzzled by the apparent indifference of the police and worried that the car might be a crime scene, Ledford and his girlfriend decided to examine the vehicle in hopes of learning the identity of its owner. They noticed odd things such as broken glass, a pair of men's work boots, a length of rope, and a bikini top in the back seat. And this made them wonder if the car belonged to a serial killer. It does kind of have that sound to it, doesn't it? Practically the instant that the couple approached the abandoned vehicle, a police cruiser sped to the scene, and Ledford and Ward were arrested. At the station, they waived their right to counsel and and tried to explain their concerns to the on-scene investigator, who released them immediately. However, a few days later, the couple was served with an arrest warrant signed by the same investigator who accused them of burglary. The county prosecutor offered the couple deferred prosecution if they signed a confession. I don't think you can burglarize something that's open. 
It's I'm my, not sure. I, you know, a burglary, I think, is a, you know, it, it includes the lesser included offense of breaking, breaking and, and entering. And one then needs to have broken to have entered. Do you and then, understand? And then when you burgle, uh, does that mean you actually have to steal something? Or can one be gu- guilty of burglary simply by being somewhere that one shouldn't after having broken and entered? I don't. A burglary includes theft. Um, that's that's part of burglary. Okay. So there's trespassing. Um, you know this this is just a bad charge all around. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only should the uh, judge throw this crap out, but they should uh, they should dock this uh, police officer a week's pay. Well, they were offered deferred prosecution if they signed a confession. And to their credit, Ledford and Ward, who face a year in jail and a four thousand dollar fine for committing no crime, gave the prosecutor automatically excuse me anatomically detailed instructions regarding the proper disposal of that offer. According to the police agency that afflicts the city of Austin, the bait car scheme produced 70 warrants or arrests in 2008 and 13 so far this year. The department refused to specify how many convictions resulted and refused to provide a breakdown of the charges. As noted, oh, that's service for you. Yeah. As noted above, bait car traps have been laid by police all over the country. Police also use variants of this idea. A few years ago, the NYPD, apparently having nothing better to do, enjoyed considerable success in a similar snare involving a lost wallet. And I, I think I recall reporting on the uh, yeah. the NYPD wallet story. And these are just some of the some of the things the police are doing to serve and protect you. As if they haven't actually solved all of the car thefts that have actually taken place in Austin. Yeah, exactly. So instead of actually going after criminals that have a fence that they can go to to take the car to and there's a real criminal operation going on there, it's a lot easier to just go after some concerned homeowners that uh, will investigate an abandoned vehicle out in front of their houses. Right. And, you know, it it seems to me on this, uh, this circumstance... It's it's one thing to you know if if they left the keys in the car, which seems out of line to me. But if they left the keys in the car, and then somebody took the car and say never reported it or anything like that, I mm-hmm. suppose then you would have perhaps a car theft. It still seems a little nasty to me, like entrapment. But um, you know, leaving the keys in a car, I'm almost of the opinion if you leave the keys in the car and the windows down in the wrong neighborhood, you you deserve it. However, mm-hmm. I can't say I've never left keys in cars before. Um, the but the idea that if somebody approaches the vehicle or enters the vehicle, um, that somehow they have burglarized the vehicle. Right. Um, the the car, which may be private property, is sitting unlocked on what I'm going to assume is public property. They say it's not uh, parked illegally and it was out in front of these people's house. Yeah, presumably that means it's in the road or something. Right. So it's on public property and it's unlocked. And I can't see that as even even fitting the definition of trespassing. Yeah, I mean, what do you? It seems to be a neighborly thing to do here. What these folks did—they spotted something that was not being taken care of, wondered what was going on, and and tried to resolve the situation. And for their troubles, they were treated to a jail cell. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's twisted. I believe um, I may. I believe I found a wallet. This has been about three or four years ago, and in it was contained. A self, I, I found some personal item. It might have been a cell phone. It might have been a wallet. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Somehow I ascertained from the, the item that the that you know who to whom it belonged. I contacted that person. I met them at a, uh, a, a Starbucks and gave it to them. They tried to give me ten dollars, um, which you know, I mean, it's just it just wasn't that much money. So I you know wasn't going to accept it. They bought me a coffee and off we went. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, am I a burglar because I found this item and then I decided that I was going to return it to the person? No. Um, I I don't remember whether it was a wallet or a cell phone. I mean, that's that's how little this matters to me in my life. It's just to me doing the right thing is doing the right thing. Um, I I, I can tell you clearly there was no if there was any money in the wallet, I did not take that money out. But even if the money was removed from my wallet and I got all the other stuff back, I would still be thankful. There are so many instances where the police will punish people who are attempting... And the police have never returned my wallet to me. I've lost several. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it figures. Uh, they don't, they're not out there to serve you. They're there to serve themselves. They're there to serve the state. They're masters in uh, the political realm, the, the legislature. They're there to serve those people. They're there to serve their police chiefs. And they're not there to serve you. Because if they were there for service, they would behave differently. And, of course, Sam uh, Sam Dodson from the Obscure Truth Network, ObscureTruth.com, recently he was arrested in a situation that was a perfect example of how if the police were interested in service, and, you know, we're presuming that the whole idea that they uh, you're supposed to register your car and all that is, is somehow legitimate, presuming that for a moment, if they were about service and oriented to service as market-based organizations are, like ours and yours, the one that you likely work for, if they were about service, they would have gone up to Sam and said, Sam, before you get in your car, we just want to let you know that we found out that your license has been suspended. Just to give you a heads up on that, because, you know, we're about service. But no, instead, they waited. And now they are denying they waited. But we all know they waited until he got into his car, drove away, and then pulled him over just moments down the road. So that's not about service. That's about revenue collection. That's about obedience and enforcement 800-259-9231 these folks tried to do the right thing they tried to find out what an abandoned car uh, who who the owner was would have probably gone through whatever steps were necessary to help them get back to it more on the way it's free talk live This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And we invite you to our website, freetalklive.com. We have the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove that they listen to the show. See it at shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you are a lady listener, you can get details on how to submit your photo or video to the Shrine of Female listeners listeners at shrine.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. That's freedomsphoenix.com. I use it for show prep every day. Let's continue. Take your calls. George is in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, George. How you doing? What's on your proud mind tonight? Member to, proud member of the Texas Nationalist Movement down here. What is a Texas, what is a Texas Nationalist? Uh, we want our independence from the federal government. Excellent. Uh, you think it's possible I can get a Dan Miller? I could probably uh, send your contact to Dan Miller, the president, maybe get him on your show. Well, we don't really do uh, guests very often on Free Talk Live, but anybody's free to call in and talk about what they want. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your movement. Uh, how long has it been around? What are you doing right now, etc.? Well, right now, uh, 
I only been a member like a couple months, but I can tell you one thing I like the movement so far. It's not so much the secessionists, it's declaring our independence from the federal government. I like and that. Yeah, I think that that's better. Secessionist is kind of a, a negative term, and it uh, you know it it points to what you're seceding from, whereas independence it just uh, you know embodies what you're doing. Right. Basically, declaring independence says, okay, well, we don't acknowledge you anymore. We're just doing our thing here, and we're just going to forget about you, federal guys. Not asking yes. for permission to leave, just calling out and saying you're you're your own country, basically. So well, I like bas- that. Well, basically. Uh I kind of see it like this. I think the globalists are getting too overconfident because, you know, they, they got away with this and so many countries doing what they're trying to do to us. It's just like the Dallas Cowboys winning every game in the season until the, uh, the underdog team who studied the film, who watched what they were doing on all these games, comes and beats the snot out of them. And I really think they're just being very, very overconfident. So they don't really realize... How is it? Really, I'm, I'm sorry to ask uh, to inter, inter, interject here, uh, George. What you said you've been involved in this Texas nationalist uh, movement, this independence movement, for just a couple months. What was it that brought you in? Why? Uh, why now? Well, because uh, we um, Texans, is, we I, I mean, I would just want to be left alone. Sure, but was there something that uh, that brought you to the point to where how'd you, you find them? You you know you sought them out, or they found you, or what? How did that work out? Mm, they found me. How, how, where, where, and how? Oh, I'm on Facebook. Okay. And, and yeah, on Facebook, uh, I like what they, uh, what they, what they are, what they embody. Uh, it's not a conservative, it's not a liberal, it's not a, it's not a far, it's not a Republican Democrat group. It's mm-hmm. a very independent group that wants independence. They want to be free from the federal government. So, how are you going to accomplish it? What's the plan? Well, um, we got a. Uh, I think there's a little. Uh, Petition on the site, and not only do we want Texas to sign a petition, but we want uh, everybody, as many people nationwide, uh, sign this petition saying, yes, people outside the uh, state of Texas would like Texas, uh, to, the people of Texas, to decide if they want to be independent or stay with the United States. <laughs> we want Texas to get get out. Texas? <laughs> Texas. Oh, okay. Texas to get out. <laughs> just kidding. I, I think that's fine. Uh, I've always kind of liked the idea of just going ahead and drawing up your own Declaration of Independence and kind of going through the same motions that the, the dead guys from a few hundred, couple hundred years ago uh, went through. That way you could just say, well, look, we've got our own Declaration and Constitution, so therefore we must be uh, legitimate. I mean, if that's all it takes to have your own society then uh, you can draw up your own paperwork and draw an imaginary line on a map somewhere and hey you got yourself your own society and then uh, if they claim that you're part of their society you can say oh no no see we have our own declaration and so we're part of the texas nationalist society or in in my case the the voluntary society or well, something you have like to that. let everybody inside a geographic area um that fits a certain criteria and of course you get to pick the criteria um that uh, allow them to vote so in their case it was 21-year-old white uh, landowning males. Um, and in your case, you could say, uh, you know, the members of the Texas Nationalist Society vote uh, that we uh, we secede, and that's good enough yep. for us. Absolutely. I think that makes sense. Hey, George, uh, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I'm actually kind of serious about that. I, I don't know uh, if it's going to happen or, or when. I'm certainly not heading it up. But I, I like the idea of just going through the motions. Yeah, it tickles you know? me. You know, that way, because they always claim that, well, you're here, and so therefore you're part of our society. 
well, wait a minute. Yep. I thought society was a voluntary association of individuals. Oh, well, you volunteered by being here. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think there's any evidence of that besides the fantasy <laughs> was, in your mind. Was your society set up voluntarily? Because, well, they didn't let the engines vote, and, mm-hmm. well, they took their land. They didn't let the women vote. They didn't let the black people well, vote. They didn't let people under 21 vote. To some extent, they also didn't let anybody who opposed independence vote. Well, I yeah. mean, <laughs> the, the state legislatures, there were majorities, that apparently, that decided to nominate you know, representatives to the uh, uh, Continental Congress, but it wasn't as if there was a, some referendum held. One could make the argument that most Americans at the time of independence, or at least a, a large percentage of them, would rather have remained part of the British Empire. So, go along to go along. Stay yeah. out. Keep it as is. So this group of men in a room in Philadelphia decided to make a declaration. Right. Who the hell were they? I mean, that's how arbitrary it is, right? Isn't that what They're it all... the ones with the guns that won, essentially. And you know, I guess that's what they. I, I guess that's what it takes for independence. Is what we're be, we're being taught here. I don't believe that's, that's not true, what I want. I but don't that's what we're being that. taught. That's what they. Well, that's what we have been told. Sure, when we were growing up, and and certainly you hear the shouts. Well, for you're not even blood. told that. You're told you have to live with it because that's what we're we've got here. But but you were told but, that the independence was won through fighting. You know, that's what you were. That's what you're taught in government but schools. But the evidence and, is, if you you look at it, that you can have it at, at independence by killing enough people. Well, that's largely how it's been attained, though. That's probably why, the, you know, when people look at it, historically, the track record has not been good as far as keeping independence movements peaceful, but that's not entirely true. I mean, India separated from the British Empire peacefully, and mm-hmm. there have been many other instances where, you know, parts of countries have decided to declare their independence, and there hasn't been a war or any real kind of bloodshed. Quebec has had some fairly decent success. I mean, they're not totally separated. They never but, made that declaration, though. And there's, but they threatened it, didn't they? And that kind of got them some autonomy, as I, as I understand. Yeah, yes. they do exercise some rights that other provinces don't have, but there's still a question. I mean, there were some Canadian politicians who hinted that they would use force to stop a full separation. So until Quebec actually decides to leave, if they decide to do that, I don't think we're going to know whether it's going to play out peacefully in that case or not. Let's go to your calls. Jay is listening to WIMS in Indiana. Jay, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, thank you, sir. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I was listening to your your talks about the police department and the police state. I had a couple questions. First sure. off, I probably need to say I'm what I consider to be a constitutionalist. Um, I kind of believe in freedom and liberty and you know independence. From yeah, I've been there, man. Intrusion and all of that. But... I do, and I do think the police department's kind of like the old junkyard dog. It's good to have around, but if you don't keep it on the short leash, it's going to end up biting the neighborhood kids. The trick is keeping it on the short leash, isn't it? I'm going to bring you back here because we're uh, short on time here. I'm going to bring you back. We'll uh, continue this discussion. Hang on. More with Jay in moments. Your calls as well about whatever you want. Dial in toll-free 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's Z-U-S-Coin.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free. 
800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Nick, of course, joining us from the television world. He is uh, the host, one of the hosts of Free Minds TV, which you can see. And you can also listen to a radio version of the show, Free Minds Radio, at freemindsmedia.org. That's freemindsmedia... Wait, dot, dot com. Either one. Both. Okay. Freemindsmedia.com. So head on over there, and uh, Nick is also now blogging on the site. Make sure you take a look at that. Let's go back to Jay listening to WIMS in Indiana. You're back on Free Talk Live. All right, Jay, go ahead with your thoughts tonight. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I just wanted to you know, summarize saying, you know, they are like the Jokio dogs. You do got to keep them on a short lease. The police. They bite the neighborhood kids. Sure, the police department. Uh, but uh, have you guys dealt with the bad guys lately? The, the bad guys, I mean, you mean like a, like a thug? Well, in uh, just to, yeah, just to be. Well, I mean, you can you can paint them any way you want. You can talk about thugs. You can talk about thieves. You can talk about robbers. You can talk about rapists. I mean, you want to talk about whatever you want to deal with. I've been robbed you know, before, if that's what you're asking. I, I know someone who's under indictment for felony theft. I spent nine years okay, in prison. Well, what I'm saying is, there are a lot of bad guys out there. <laughs> yes, yeah. there are. There are a lot of people doing a lot of bad things, and the, and we and have some to of have them, someone. Some of them work it. for the government. <laughs> Okay, a few of them, but you know what? I More doubt very that. seriously the government's payroll is that big. Well, no, <laughs> certainly not all the bad guys work for the government. I, I will agree with you. But the bad guys that work for the government are pretty much untouchable. I mean, it's very difficult to actually see any kind of justice come to an individual who works within the government system. Uh, the, the police have their thin blue line and their brotherhood, and they close the ranks down. Whenever one of them gets in trouble, they all surround that person, and they protect, protect, protect sure. uh, their own. I think it's really easy for people to, and this includes police officers too, I think it's really easy for them to kind of circle the wagons and say it's you, me, us against you, that kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're human. They, they have those same kind of issues that the rest of us have. But I'm I'm kind of concerned about categorically painting them negative. I, I think it's misleading and it's counterproductive. I mean, not all cops are bad, and you know what? Even no, no, cops, not all cops are bad. When did we say that? We, we try not to do that. Wait a minute, we Jim. try not to do that. We do a lot of um, corrupt cop stories and uh, sort of uh, um, we you know talk about how the the policing system can be corrupt in this country, but we try not to specifically say police are bad. I just had lunch with uh, one of the good cops today, as a matter of fact, so there are some good ones out there, but the reality I, I is... Think it, yes. I think we need to take it a little further than there are some good cops. I, I really think the majority of them are good. I'm sure that they occasionally do but things But they don't do... Right, well, well, that's just it. It's more than occasionally. A lot of these good cops are out be. enforcing bad laws on good people. Oh, okay, now, see, that's a different matter, though. That's that's not a, you know I mean the, the police department basically and you know with the exception of those that go outside the law you know the majority of them I think pretty much try to enforce the law as they read it as they see it and let's fo- face it folks the law is confusing uh, you know they they enforce it the t- way they try to read it or they read it rather and uh, but I and I think the laws maybe need to be changed and perhaps the laws are a bit intrusive. That's it's that's a common cop out though, Jay. Jay, that's that's the cop out you'll hear from cops is that from the police is they'll no, that's say not, that's not the cop out from it the is, cops. It is it is a cop out well, because a, they're was, responsible. Was, Jay, before you go on, and I'm I'm not saying that uh, this is that that you're entirely wrong. I'm just saying that that's the cop out they used at Nuremberg and it didn't work there. Right. I'm sorry, but they are responsible sure. for their actions. They are responsible for following the law, as you are saying. 
they're interpreting the law and they're following it the best they can. That's one of my problems with them is that they're following the law and they're doing what it is they're told. Of course, they're not following all the laws because they selectively enforce them, uh, depending on who it is that's breaking it, depending on what the law is. All that aside, uh, they are following some really bad laws that are resulting in millions of Americans, hundreds of thousands of people getting put in prison cells every single year because they had a plant in their pocket or a plant in their car or something like that or, or a certain chemical. And so I don't know. I, I've talked to a lot of these cops that are enforcing the, these laws, and, and they're very personable. They're people that, uh, that I could get along with, except for the fact that they're throwing my friends in prison cells. And I don't disagree that the laws need to be changed in a lot of areas and that they are too, too intrusive. I've, I've never believed that government needs to stick their nose in every little thing that we do. And I, and I have to tell you, when it happens to me, I'm very resentful of it. In fact, exceptionally resentful of it. <laughs> sure. So I have to concur with you there. But I, I guess what I'm, I'm kind of concerned about with is that we, we really have to be careful painting the police into a corner of being the... They do it to themselves, Jay. Ian, how about, uh, Jay, we, we go with this. The administrations of the police departments have their police allocated in a fashion that uh, does not promote liberty, that they're too busy out there spending their time chasing down speeders so that they can get revenue for the government, uh, finding college kids or smoking pot so they can get revenue for the government, and they're not uh, doing what it is that we bl- what we're told on TV that they do, solve crimes and protect people. See, I, I don't know whether they go out there and solve crimes or not, protect people or not. I, the only thing that I can say is that the interactions with I, that I've had with them, uh, you know, have been mixed. I mean, I've had interactions where I was resentful with what they were doing, and I thought they were being intrusive, and I, I'll agree that those things happen. But on the flip side of that, there have been some times when I was really glad to have them around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, sure, they sure. protected my family. They protected my person. Great. That's what they're supposed to do. That's when they're right. acting as and peace I, I officers. I, you see, here's the here's the here's the thing. Here, to me, to Jay, Jay, the distinction is that you could you can act as a a peace officer or you can act as a law enforcement officer. And when they're acting as peace officers, by all means, I think that's great. You know, protecting people, keeping people safe, all in favor of that, breaking up fights, whatever the heck it is that they're doing, investigating a real crime, great. But when they're acting as a law enforcement officer and just enforcing these diktats from the people in the legislature, then that's when I have a problem. Because if peaceful people are getting hurt, if people that have not harmed others are getting hurt by the police, and when I say hurt, being having their, stole, uh, their freedom stolen from them, I don't necessarily mean having their bones broken or something like that. I mean having their freedom taken away from them and having to spend a night or several nights or 58 nights in a jail cell after they haven't harmed anybody else. That's when the cops are acting as law enforcement officers, and they're enforcing laws that they shouldn't be enforcing. They should be one of the... If, I mean, you want to talk about the way the system could work a little bit better. I mean, besides the my whole idea of getting the government out of the the, the the policing world, if you just kept the government in the policing world and had them focus on real crimes instead of these manufactured revenue stream crimes, like you're saying, Mark, speeding and pot possession and, and stuff like that, then nobody would have a problem with the police. If the cops were out there actually busting rapists and murderers and arsonists and uh, vandals and things like that, nobody is going to get upset about that kind yeah, of behavior. The problem is it's not always the big thing that we need them to enforce. I mean, you just mentioned speeding as a good example, okay? You think it's okay for someone to travel down a 30-mile-an-hour residential road, you know, with kids playing on the side of the street at 60-mile-an-hour? 
You think that's okay? I think that all streets should be privately owned, sir. I think all streets should be privately owned, and then each private uh, road owner can make their own decisions about what is and what is not appropriate. We're going to have a rough time doing that in my neighborhood. Each one of us has, what, 50 feet of road? The way I would look at it is that there are cases of speeding or reckless. I think it should be treated as reckless driving, which is really what it is if it rises to that level. But the really, when you get pulled over by the cops for speeding, many times, especially now that many departments are looking for more revenue, many times it is not that clear-cut case where the speeding is actually a danger. You're, in fact, doing you know, 75 on a 65 part of the highway. So I'd say nine times out of ten, uh, most speeders are speeding safely and pulled over for that. They're not putting anybody else I know most deal. of the tickets I've got I deserved. <laughs> So I guess we could agree to disagree. So wait, are you that, saying that the first ticket didn't stop wait, your behavior? Uh, Jay, um, I, I didn't get to jump in on the speeding thing, and I understand why you're ready to, uh, to tear up my uh, partner over the private roads thing. It's not where I uh, fall on this issue. But if they wanted to really enforce speed limits, and this just goes to show that they do not want to do this, they would put speed cameras that would catch people going 10 miles an hour over the limit all over. It would be cheaper than cops, believe me, because you don't have to pay pensions and all that other stuff for speed cameras. And uh, you, you would, people, speeding would stop overnight because people get a tickets immediately instead of this arbitrary enforcement where they actually incentivize people to speed because nine times out of the ten, 99 times out of 100, you don't get caught. Jay, I'd like to thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate the discussion. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. And I'd like to observe again that it sounded to me like Jay has had multiple tickets that he didn't appreciate, you know, that he didn't appreciate but realized he was doing wrong. Sounds like the first ticket didn't stop him, nor did the second. We're coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Doesn't matter if you're buying brand new or used. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their new items. Head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com as we go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Michelle in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Hi. I just wanted to share some news that I'm fighting nationwide for, but here in the state of Illinois, Governor Quinn signed the Michelle Apple law after me. And what this law does is it makes perpetrators of rape and child molestation and any sexual assault against men. The perpetrators have to pay lifetime long-term care for victims. And this new law did not help me. I just fell the poverty level to pay for medications and stuff, hearing aids, but they're not having to do that anymore. The perpetrators are paying. And I am fighting nationwide and will be going to Kentucky in December to get the law started there. So let me so let me see if I understood what you you just said. You you said there was a law passed in Illinois that uh, makes it so that rapists, child molesters and and some some other category have to pay for medical bills for life? Yes, that includes their medicines, their counseling, anything a victim needs. And if so, they have to be on medications for a lifetime, they have to pay that. If they don't need the the medication or whatever for a lifetime, then they wouldn't have to pay it, right? They still have to pay them for life 
for how long they take their medications for. Right. So this so, is only medication that addresses the specific issue of what might have come around from the molestation or the rape. It's not if you you know break your wrist down the line, you don't have to. The, the guy doesn't have to pay for that or the, the perpetrator. No, it's only what occurs during the rape or the molestation. And most victims are on medications and have to see a psychiatrist, and they have hospital bills. And the crime does have to be reported to a hospital, but there is a mediator to be with the victim and mediates between the victim and police, and they fill out the papers for the lifetime long-term care. Well, it sounds like a, a pretty good law. I mean, interjecting the government in there, I imagine, makes it pretty arduous for both the victim and the uh, perpetrator. But um, but it sounds know, like restitution it, to me. It, yeah, it sounds like a, a great restitution kind of uh, uh, a law. But I've got a, kind of a question here. Do you think that the, uh, um, the, the laws that they have in so many states where often uh, sex offenders can't get out until somebody deems them uh, you know, safe to get out or um, some of these long sentences that they give these guys, um, do you think that that – Sort of works against uh, what it, um, the goals of of this law, for instance, because they can't pay it. Right. I mean, you know, how's a sex offender going to pay when he's uh, you know in jail? No. What they're doing is they're freezing all their assets. Okay. And they go in and they take from there. What if What do you do if you're dealing they with a homeless lose rapist? They lose everything they have. Right. But Pardon what if, What if you have a homeless rapist or a married one who has nothing? They make them work in prison to pay something. I see. So maybe so, Illinois is one of those prisons where they actually get some money. I don't you, know. You would get a cut what, out of their paycheck. Basically. Yeah. What about the the ones that are married? Do they take uh, the the communal property of the husband and wife? They, I, they, all I know is they take asset of the rapist's home. So I would say yes to that question. Do you think that's a bad deal for do, the wife? Do you think that if I rape somebody, that my wife deserves to be impoverished? No, I okay. do not. Okay. I well, do not think your wife should have to be punished for that, but that's what they're doing because the victims can't afford to pay for their their care. Thank you for the call tonight, Michelle. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That's uh, certainly I, – I don't have any real objection with that idea. I think that people who are victimized – should be restituted. They should be compensated for their victimization, and that that includes whatever bills need to be paid plus something on top of that. I think, you know, in addition to that, yeah, for pain and suffering and all that. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You dial in about anything. We go to the email box where Jim emails in from Pennsylvania. He says, "Guys, been a long time listener to the show, and although I consider myself a pro liberty guy, I still do cling a little to my statism side." I have a problem that I hope you can help me out with. During the summer, I have a few, uh, had a few neighbors move in next door to me. And within the last month, I've spoken with them several times in regards to their playing loud music. They play loud music all day and for a good chunk of the night, good ca- causing me and my family to lose sleep. Now, being a listener of your show, I decided on a pro-liberty approach and spoke with them on several occasions and asked if they could lower the music after 10 at night. Since the neighbor and I share a wall of our homes, due to it being a row home, the loud music is quite disturbing. Their reactions have ranged from politely saying okay and doing nothing to telling me to mind my own business. I used to take the trash out for my neighbors and clean up our shared pavement and other helpfully neighborly things and have since stopped doing those things to say, if you can't respect me, then I won't respect you. But all my actions seem to do nothing and the music continues. I don't want to call the cops on this individual for playing loud music after 11.30 at night, but I'm running out of ideas. Do you have any others? 
Um, I, you know, one idea is earplugs. Um, but yeah. you know, not everybody thinks that this is uh, that this is a great option for them. I uh, I started wearing earplugs when my wife was pregnant because she began to snore like a sawmill. Oh dear. And, um, Does she still after the no, baby? No, she, she, you know, she snored as, uh, a little bit uh, mm-hmm. before that, and and you know, I, I'm sure I do a little bit now and then too. But this is just kind of lo- normal people snoring uh, yep. now. When you know, when women are pregnant, they have more pressure on their sure. abdomen. And uh, then after that, I found that uh, it was uh, helpful for allowing me to sleep when uh, the baby wanted to get up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Um, You know, that was the deal. My wife, uh, you know, she's she's basically... You don't have to take care of the baby in the middle of the night, right? Right, and basically he doesn't require care in the middle of the night now anyway. That's good. But um, the... You know that the she stays home from work. She doesn't. She doesn't really work. She works outside the. You know mm-hmm. she does a little remote working because she chooses chooses to. But the deal was right. that she had to get up because you know she's going to be the full time. Uh, so earplugs. Yep. Earplugs. Is one uh, one idea. Now it sounds to me like this might be. A, I mean, he says it's a row home. I I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds like a duplex. Like there's a wall between them, mm-hmm. and so one neighbor's on one side, the others on the other. It's all in the same house. Um, that's the situation that I live in. Now I'm the owner of the home, and the other people are my tenants so for me dealing with a situation like that isn't a problem and that's where i would say it since he's not saying here that he owns the home he says new neighbors moved in next door to him and next door is the same household it sounds like so go to the landlord right i mean if you've got uh, the same landlord or even if it's not the same landlord uh would that that might be an appropriate way yeah. to approach things even if this is a condo i'm assuming there would be some kind of a property owners association even if the people next door do own so it there, seems like there is somewhere he can go with this to make a complaint. There are plenty of uh, houses in this country where people live very, very, very close to their property-owning neighbors. So it's possible that he is a, you know, that this is a property owner and that's a property owner, or it's a different renter, um, you know, a different landlord entirely. What and, is a row home? A row home is like a townhouse. There are usually four or more homes built side by side, with the dividing walls being common on each. Could it? it, it any of these things is possible? possibility but now what would you say in the instance where you know ever all this being the same and because this does happen in the united states mm-hmm. they you know there's uh, you know th- their own separately whether it's by those those people or not would you say that's the time to call the police because i think it is i think you could, i i think you could go to maybe putting them on notice that you're either going to call the police if they don't stop mm-hmm. or i guess you could it would probably be more trouble than it's worth i guess you could try to take them to small claims court to keep it a civil matter as opposed to calling in the police i uh you know again if they all own these properties then i have to question why you would buy in a in a situation where oh, you now would it's not your have, fault that your neighbor's playing the it music is your long? fault for it making isn't. the choice it is your fault for making the choice to buy a home that shares a wall with somebody else what do you expect to happen I expect of course there's going to be, to be noise to, to be pr- well then you pr- need to buy something with that has well, terms i mean you need to have some sort of like nick was saying a neighborhood association the terms well, if there exist are ter- if there are terms then they're in violation of those terms Does and then enforce we call, them, we call them ordinances. Then a for- no, no, I'm not talking about ordinances. I'm talking about specific terms when you buy a home called deed restrictions, Mark. You know there's a world of difference between those two. One of them is you're consenting to. The other is an arbitrary set of guidelines forced upon you by bureaucrats. Are you telling me, you bureaucrats. Telling me that, if, <laughs> that if I live next to you and uh, like uh, there, there's a house within a few feet of your house and I, I play a freaking train horn okay, all times of the day and night mm-hmm. that, the, that you don't have the right to call the cops – 
They are aggressing on your property you because their noise is could... going onto your property. Yeah, he because... is right. If I'm not saying that it's the best idea, and I think that there's other options if you can use them. And Ian, I suggested earplugs before I suggested the police. I understand. However, that. I do not think he goes outside of his rights by calling the police in this instance. You know, you live in a home that shares a wall with somebody else. Those people are likely to play music at some point, so you should have figured that part out before you bought the as place. As long as the opinion. point isn't before 11:30 p.m. If there are no rules on the property, then you've got nothing to stand on. But I think that if uh, yeah, you do. If somebody is uh, infringing upon your property, and that you could call it an audio trespass. More coming up. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. I want to continue this discussion we were uh, just getting into last hour and kind of recap for our new listeners that just might be tuning in uh jim emailed in having some trouble with some neighbors now in this particular scenario it's not clear as to whether or not jim owns the place but i don't know how many of these row houses are owned by the individuals in them according to uh, the internet a row house is a home that's at like a townhouse with up to four units in it basically that are, are obviously divided by walls so they don't share any common areas as i understand it uh so it's basically a multiplex uh, i've got a duplex myself so i have some familiarity with with what this is like and unless your uh, duplex or your quadplex or whatever it is your multiplex has some serious soundproofing you're going to hear your neighbors uh if your neighbors are listening to their music loud you're going to hear that if they're having a fight uh you're going to hear that and mark when we went off the air you said oh ian you fall down on this issue and i think you're wrong about that because i i said that if uh if this guy owns his house and he's having an issue with the neighbors playing the music too loud too late and that's annoying i i understand that that is not pleasant but if he owns that place then he went into it knowing that he was going to be living between a wall. I mean, there's going to be a wall between him, his family, and another family. So it would be incumbent upon him to do whatever's necessary to make sure that he has the appropriate deed restrictions in place to where it is explicitly said what is and what is not appropriate as far as loudness factors uh, are concerned. So if that's not in place and he's just renting from a landlord, then he can go to the landlord and say, look, 
there's a problem here between us and this this other neighbor, and I'd like for you to help us solve it and then move forward with wherever that goes. But uh, in in the event that that's not what's going on, and that uh, that uh, he did get into this this purchase, and there was, let's say, some sort of sound agreement, then that that other family's clearly in violation, and he should take whatever steps are necessary. And and you're right, Mark. He should do neighborly things first, and that's what he's been trying to do, and it hasn't been working very well. So uh, now neighborly relations are starting to fall apart. He used to do some things like taking care of the driveway. Now he doesn't do that anymore. And so things are deteriorating now over over time. And, of course, bringing a, an enforcer in, whatever that means, whether it's some neighborhood association, some sort of private security, or, or bringing the cops in from the outside – probably isn't going to improve neighborly relations, which is why it should be the, the last step. That's why people should try but to take voluntary... These neighbors have, up until, you know, have this, this point uh, vary between saying, okay, and then not doing anything about the, uh, the noise, and saying, hey, go suck an egg. We'll do what we want, pal. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's... I, I believe that there's a point where people are, you know, at a certain decibel level, and I'm not sure what that is, on your property, not theirs, not measured to the source of the noise, but mm-hmm. measured from your property, um, that they are aggressing upon you. And those decibel levels would be different for for uh, daytime and versus nighttime. Yes, I agree that uh, people that work nights, uh, you know, they're, they're getting screwed. Those people should consider uh, earplugs. I think that, uh, you know, that, that you probably will... Uh, avoid some problems by using earplugs. You're going to cause problems by calling the police on these people. Absolutely. That could result in retaliation. But would, you knows? would agree that there's a point where a person makes noise on their property and aggresses against their neighbor. I think that you could absolutely have some sort of a concept of an audio trespass. I mean, you are creating sound waves, and those waves are going on to another person's property. So in the same I way think, that you could create a stink machine um, you know, for sure, smell. Sure. I, think that's, I think that's possible. But I think that Private but property not, solves this problem. Does that not happen with the uh, with the the light waves from from things that are littering your property? Right, though those light waves that are traveling <laughs> onto other people's property that doesn't happen, right? Uh, are they? Yeah. Hmm. So your neighbors okay, so being wait, able to see well, your junk couch on your lawn is that an aggression against them? I think you're demonstrating how it is some something of a slippery slope. That's exactly where down. I wanted to go with I mean, this. I would I would argue that yes, if my neighbor is going to burn tires and the tire smoke is drifting, you know, in th- through the window into my living room, then yes, I would agree that they are damaging my property. But if they're having a barbecue on a Sunday and I don't like the smell of barbecue and I can smell it vaguely when I walk by the window, have they committed a trespass against my property, or am I just somebody who's a picky, nosy neighbor? This I think that I think that what this actually demonstrates is there need to be covenants of some sort or another for the uh, the, the the you know the dealing with neighbors. I mean that's just the I way, agree. The way I it totally is. agree. Now, I've got eleven wooded acres. I got my neighbors handled. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, as as far so as someone I'm concerned, that's concerned about sound should move out there. And uh, but. You know, I, my my neighbors shoot guns my and run problem, chainsaws. I can hear them. That, 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 fine, and you know, you go inside your house, and it's probably not that big of a deal. It doesn't it doesn't bother me one way or the other. Right. I I like the sound of chainsaws and guns. It, there you go. It comes with the the territory, and and you know, similarly, uh, when you move into a townhome or you move into a duplex, coming with the territory is going to be sound issues. You're going to have those issues. You're living in close proximity with other people, and things are, are going to come up. And you're right, Mark. Covenants do need to happen. There need to be home uh, d- deed restrictions and, and agreements between homeowners. I think that's very important. Uh, and 
outside of that, alternatively, if you choose to buy some sort of property that is completely unencumbered by any sort of deed restrictions, then you're rolling the dice. You know that there's a chance that something could happen that you don't have anything in place for, and you're taking that risk because maybe you want the ability to do what you want on your property, and that's why you're, you know, you're taking that risk, or maybe you just don't want to deal with deed restrictions and all that. I think those could be choices people make as well. But I think private property would solve all, you know, solve all of these issues to where if you're moving into something like a townhome, you better make sure that you've got that stuff covered in advance because otherwise you are in this area of the, the government and its arbitrary rules about, okay, well, if that's too loud, what about when your neighbors fight? Do you also get to call the police when the neighbors get too loud, uh, you know, having a discussion uh, during a party at nighttime? I mean, so, so the government can't really solve this problem for I people. Think that, I think that this is one of the areas the government is actually pretty darn good at solving. At setting an arbitrary number yes. and enforcing you, it on you, people? A decibel number well, is an arbitrary number, but yes, I do think that, there, you know, that, that somebody needs to set some number and say, you just can't be louder than this past this time of night. Yeah, I, I mean, what's the alternative if you have an area that's a gray area about whether somebody is doing something that's injurious to property? Likely that's not going to be spelled out in detail if you have a deed restriction. And what's the alternative to the government's arbitrary number, an arbitrator's arbitrary number? Well, I think that... The deed restrictions arbitrary number. Well, okay, but then you've got different arbitrary numbers, and you can you can select from the arbitrary numbers that are uh, best in but your Ian, mind. What the government forces the same here, number on everyone. What you're setting up here is in this freedom town where people live close together and can do what they want is war on a audio level. What now, are you talking about? What am I talking about? I'm talking about the if I can't if 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 You're I'm pre agreeing in, in no, advance. No, 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 no. No, I'm not. The fact is there exist now houses. In free world, uh-huh. these houses will continue to exist because yeah. everything doesn't get wiped clean. Now you're right. proposing to do away with zoning laws, so how are you going to come up with a unanimous uh, system You just have of, to do it between your neighbors, man. If you can't get it to work, you can't but, get it to work. Right. And then uh, and then what you have are, are zones where you have no agreements in place. So you let it point? naturally evolve from the marketplace. If no agreement is in place initially, you can go to your neighbors and say, well, hey, I kind of like it quiet around here. Do you like quiet? Yeah, I like quiet too. All right, well, let's get together and, and make a covenants and apply them to our properties. That way, if you s- decide to sell, whoever it is that comes in brand new also has to agree to the same covenant. That's a possibility. It requires consent, but that's okay. I like the idea of people consenting to the rules. I agree and if your with neighbors that. don't so- agree, move the... Move the F out and go find some neighbors who do agree with you. And so then you've got the situation where, the, you know, if I don't want to leave, my parents have owned this house, my grandparents own this house. I'm then not buy your neighbors house. out. Right. So then you've got the people across the uh, next door to me who are playing their music too loud. Mm-hmm. I decide, oh, yeah, now it's time to invest in that train horn. <laughs> and they say, okay, time to address to that 50 cal cannon. Ba-boom. You know, and, and, and then at That'd this make point, a great cartoon, right? right. And then you've That's got, how realistic what you're talking about. It's absolutely what's going to happen. The Hatfields and McCoys, right? Please do not pull out the, oh, this is crazy, because this is exactly what would happen. You do sound crazy. The fact is, this is what people do. They turn their music up. The other person turns their music up. That's not how it works. There are towns without zoning ordinances that address noise specifically, and we don't have that going on. Most people don't (laughs) blast their music because they don't want their neighbors to be pissed at them. But if you give them freedom, Nick, they'll change their behavior and they'll start blasting their music. No, they won't. This is what people do. I've Uh seen it. I've watched it. Everybody listening's heard it, too. Go find somewhere quiet to live. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those, including the updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. You'll know about it. It'll come to your email box. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Let's continue taking your calls. Chris is in Texas on the AMP line. Hey, Chris. Hey, and uh, I wanted to jump in a little bit. I think I had called one time about a year and a half ago, but I was listening to the um, audiobooks from the Von Mises Institute, and in one of Rothbard's books, he talks about this issue of pollution and noise and whatever. Mm -hmm. And according to that book, it was saying at the time, I can't remember which one of the uh, volumes it is, but that up until the beginning of the 20th century, pollution, noise, noxious smells, whatever, were all treated as trespassing in common law. And then there was some sort of Supreme Court case, and I think it involved a corporation versus an individual, and it was specifically pollution. It may have been groundwater pollution. And there were some ruling, and they basically said, you know, that this is standing in the way of progress, so we're not going to penalize uh, corporations with these silly trespassing laws, and they put it under the uh, general umbrella of uh, administrative law statutes. Okay, so then then they could get away with polluting and nothing could be done about it. Yeah, exactly, or, you know, it it, it gets basically, it's left up to the diktats of the uh, government now. Um, So, like, just like roads... At one time, we had private roads. Now we don't. In a similar fashion, we seems to me, and you know, thinking about it a little bit, it seems to me that that solution, you know, the old one, was much better than what we have today, and certainly, uh, you know, does, goes much further in terms of making you know the individual parties right. So, yeah, and I'd rather have uh, different organizations deciding what they think is appropriate as far as noise levels is concerned than having some arbitrary uh, diktat being yeah, forced down the, uh, from on the, high. At the property line or something like that, which is just ridiculous, you know. Well, I think it is at the property line it's ridiculous because, um, you know, you don't sleep at your property line. You sleep at the house. Yeah, exactly. But I, the, the, any any rule is going to be arbitrary. It's just who who agrees to it and when. Right. Well, it's the cons- it's the consent factor that's important here, and that's not in play with the government situation, but it would be in play with private covenants and uh, deed restrictions and things like that. Ian, all you're proposing is uh, you know to is a slower evolution of this consent because you're telling people, well, move out. Well, uh, what if uh, what if all the places you know it's been 300 years and now all the places have these covenants in place. Uh, the, the world is ate up. I've got to move to Antarctica if I want to play my music too loud. I mean, <laughs> these ludicrous. are just laws. You, you know, that's just it, Mark. You have to go, as usual, to the realm of the extreme to uh, to make a statement like that. How many music fans do you know in your life that would would want to put up with some sort of quiet zone everywhere? I mean, come on, Most dude. people I know um, who like music will like to sleep, too. And they don't want their neighbors playing loud music at some the time. Some people that they like to sleep. party at night, Mark, and let those folks move together. I mean, I think these things would happen naturally if people were allowed to make they those They would decisions. over the course of decades and centuries, but you're not addressing okay. problems that people are going to be concerned with today. Mm-hmm. 
So how does the government situation address those problems? They've set an arbitrary number, uh-huh. and if, they've, if the law is written well and enforced well, well, then people can't go over a certain decibel level at a certain time of day or night. I don't understand the fascination with the arbitrary number because I would. It's gen- got to be an ar- arbitrary number. No, it doesn't, though. Okay, I, I, please tell me how. Well, there are. It would be arbitrary in the way it's enforced, but I think that the person complaining would have to show that their enjoyment of the property is being affected in some way, and that what the you know, their neighbor is doing is clearly harmful to their ability to use their property. Well, I think you get into a dangerous area when you start talking about enjoyment, because that's very subjective. But when you can start talking about it is affecting my health, for instance, your burning tires is used, used yep. in a good example, that would be an effect to health. Not being able to sleep because it's too loud, that's an effect to health. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you're going to have to find the, the median of what people can tolerate and, you know, go a certain distance from that median then, um, in order to you know, handle and people who sleep like feathers, they, they need to get earplugs, and that's just the way it has to be. I mean, if if a person dropping a shoe upstairs in an apartment complex wakes you up, I'm sorry, that that's just You're not going to be acceptable. You're in the wrong home. If that's the case, you need to find somewhere else to live. I concur you with ha- you. Oh, I see. So under the arbitrary limit, you're all okay with that. But if somebody's enjoyment is being disturbed, shouldn't they be uh, concerned? I mean, Some my enjoyment says I enjoy my, crap. In order okay? to enjoy They're my just apartment, mean, bitter people. In order to enjoy my apartment, I want to have. Uh, I want to make sure I can go out, look on my balcony, and not hear a darn thing uh, from anybody on any either side or the top or the bottom i don't want to hear somebody sneeze next door to me yep those are the mean bitter people i'm talking about well and those are the mean bitter people that get in charge and write things like noise ordinances and stuff <laughs> like that your friends Mark. not all the time sorry chris other thoughts for us tonight oh no no like well the only other thing i would add is i'd feel perfectly comfortable in that situation if i went to a jury i mean i think that's where you could get you know reasonable subjective judgment about it a jury? Time, uh, man, don't trust juries. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, how do you know you're getting people on the jury that well, are... Well, it would be a common law court, you know, uh, yeah, you, you know I or think, some sort of arbiter. I think that's the best opposed. way to come to an arbitrary decision, which is what this is. I mean, saying it should go to arbitration or to a judge, you're putting the decision in the hands of one man, giving it to a jury, you've got 12 people... That, you know, yeah. they're gonna have Instead to... of one idiot, you've got 12 of them. Yeah, <laughs> Look, well, they all have to agree. Yeah, There are things that are annoying about living in certain places, and people, I think, mostly know those things when they move into them. Uh, one of the most annoying things around here is a damn klaxon in downtown Keene that goes off at 3 in the morning, and that's the government that uh, that creates that noise pollution. That's the one of the worst things around here. The only other thing that makes noise here in Keene, and we're in relatively close proximity to, to, uh, to people here, at least thankfully in my neighborhood, we don't have the college kids with their parties. But sometimes they're outside and the kids, you know, they're making noise. And if if it's uh, the springtime or the fall, you got your windows open. You can hear that stuff. That's okay. I live in a city. I expect things like that. You live in New York City. You've got uh, you, you, sirens, sirens all, all, all night. time of the day and night. I, I mean, it just doesn't stop. It's it's like that. I mean, I was in New Jersey <laughs> and I was in a hotel. They had road construction going on, just jackhammering <laughs> all night long. And you know, who am I going to call? The state and complain about that? I mean, they're not going to enforce their own ordinances on themselves. They should. So if uh, you had if you had a legal system that worked, and unfortunately we don't. That they would. But I also like the idea of road construction going on at night. I agree. Because then it's not going on during the daytime. So, again, you're in a city. 
You get what you get. If you're out in the woods, you get what you get out there. So buy wisely. Thanks for the call tonight, Chris. Appreciate it, man. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, don't expect me to shed a tear for somebody who's chosen to live in a downtown area that doesn't like noise. I mean, I remember there was a story in Sarasota, where we come from, about some guy that was living in an apartment building right over top of, uh, you know, some restaurant that played music outdoors. What are you thinking, dude? (laughs) You you bought... I know that you want to be able to look out over the the water and everything down there. It's very pretty. You've got the uh, the Gulf of Mexico, and I, I understand that was probably the reason why you bought the place was so you can you know get the city view and everything. But you chose that, man. Don't I don't feel sorry for you, and I don't feel sorry for you if somebody's on their balcony beneath you smoking a cigarette or smoking a, a bong, and the smoke is wafting up and irritating your tender little nostrils. You chose an apartment. You chose a condo. If you don't like it. Go live in the woods where people won't bother you, except with the gunfire and the, the pigs or whatever the hell else is out there. The cows. How about the damn cows? You live out in this place where there's uh, farms nearby and you can smell the cow manure. What I about that. that? I grew up next to a dairy. I love you it. You chose it. Exactly. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give away the features on the site. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. We give ours away at freetalklive.com. So enjoy that and enjoy the live streams. Broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam we give that all to you at listen.freetalklive.com. That'll get you right to them. That's listen.freetalklive.com. To your phone calls, we go to David in Michigan. David, you're on Free Talk Live. David, hey, hey there. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I've been I've been listening to you guys for about eight months now, and I finally figured I would chime in with some of my ideas. Super. Um, you know, it, it seems like... We're talking about that the government is the big problem, and it seems to me that the big problem is human nature. What and do you that, believe to be uh, human nature, that, that, or what of human nature is the problem? Well, it seems to me that about 97% of the population are, the, like your uh, local councilwoman there, just kind of go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And there's about 3% that are like us, you know, that want freedom and we're willing to do almost anything for it. And then there's a very, very small percentage that seem to want to amass power and control others. Mm, Okay. I'd say that, yeah, I don't know about the percentages, but, you know, generally that's a probably accurate statement. Right, right. And, you know, to me, the the beautiful thing of the Constitution, which, you know, obviously, in my opinion, has failed at this point, Mm. is that it slowed the amassing of power. And, uh, you know, people have those people that want to amass power have found ways around uh, our Constitution. Sure they have, because as you said, you know, the 97% or whatever, the 90% isn't really paying attention and don't, right. don't really seem to care as long as they can, you know, have a uh, six-pack and, uh, and some Dancing with the Stars to watch at night. Right. I love so, that Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> you know, I would equate, you know, the non-aggression, the non-aggression principle would be a good law within a voluntary society, but it seems to me if you're going to have a voluntary society that's going to function, you're still going to have to have some type of structure 
to um well, of course the marketplace will come up with uh with that structure based on what people are demanding and since you're right that most people do go along to get along while that may be that may seem to be a problem on its face uh the fact is that Changes that have come about in um, in the past have come because of a dedicated minority of people, a very small amount of people being very dedicated to whatever it is that they're looking to see happen and seeing it through. Uh, if we get enough people together in the same geographic region that believe in freedom and that are willing to do something about it, then we can expect that those people that go along to get along will just... Go along, along to get, get along. along with us. Uh, you know, hey, they get to pay less taxes, too. So I'm sure a lot of them will be kind of happy about it, even though they won't lift a finger to actually assist with the uh, the achievement of it. I think that uh, it's Jim, right? It is David. David. David, sorry. I think David has a really good point, though, that uh, basically throughout human history, humans have been enslaved. And, sure. You know, it's still it, that way today. It, it, it's, and it's still that way today. And, and it's it, it, it's hard to see that. You know that necessarily changing. Maybe it will. We've seen a progression in the amount of freedom that humans have on an aggregate basis over time, and I'm hoping that 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 continues to uh, to go. You know, to, well, to happen. If enough of the slaves stand up on the plantation, party's over for Massa. Yeah, just take a look at Haiti. Anywhere. Well, I mean, just, that's what happened in Haiti. I mean, the slaves. Right. Revolted. I don't care if you're. I don't care if you're talking about a plantation with 200 people on it, or you're talking about a state with 200,000 people or 2 million people. If enough people, percentage-wise, uh, refuse to go along with Massa's plan and his uh, workmen, then they've got a real problem on but their hands. But is that sustainable? Is the question. I mean, you you may that's... be able to get enough people to completely abolish government, but is that sustainable over the long run, given that's human my nature? Question. I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just can't I can't envision anything that the free market would do that would last longer than, you know, that lasted basically 200 years with a constitution. So you're thought, saying that you believe that the free market will be subverted by some strong man at at some point? Um I think that the 97% will just I mean I don't I don't see any way around it. It seems to me that there's got to be some type of structure there to prevent it. The, the, to prevent what from a strong man taking over? Right. What would strong... he have to take over? What apparatus or apparati would uh, would he be seizing? What what reins of power? Guns. <laughs> but the guns, guns are all over the place. I mean, the guns are everywhere right now. How would how would a strong man accomplish something like that? Starting well, from zero. Just, just like they do in Africa. I mean, you get a strong man that amasses more guns and uh, tanks and armored vehicles than the neighbor, and uh, then he's the one in control. Yeah, but that I think well you're over dealing in Africa, with poverty there where people aren't armed very well. You're dealing with that and you're also dealing with a, a society that has not really thrown off the yokes of of violence uh, to uh, to get its way. I think that in order to have a voluntary society, you're you're going to have to have some sort of coming to an understanding of what that means and and a value uh, amongst the people as to wanting something like that. But so the, I think part of the problem is that the 97% that we're going with here that just go along to get along don't partic- I mean they're not particularly incentivized to care about moral issues. They don't really care about throwing off the shackles of the state and they're not particularly opposed to going along with some despot if it's going to work out better for them. I, I would don't say know that they might have a choice but to go along with the despot if the despot has enough power. 
Well, that's just it. We're, I mean, that's going to have to start somewhere. It's not like you can secretly build an arsenal uh, too easily without people becoming aware of what it is you're up to. So you'd have to start from zero, I think, most likely. Or you, you know, you're going to start bringing tanks into uh, the the county, your your farm, or something like that, and amassing your 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 army and you're going to start hiring people who's going to work for you you have to have a lot of money and and if you start doing things like this and you start attacking people then you become you become a target i mean if you're in charge of this organization that is now terrorizing people and stealing their guns from them and enslaving them attempting to what is a free people that I'm sure some of them appreciate their freedom. I know a lot of Americans today would be willing to fight to keep what they perceive as their freedom. So these folks would have more freedom than they have today. I'm sure some of them are not going to turn their guns around so easily. The, this uh, strong man that you're talking about starts uh, enforcing his way on people. He's going to be targeted. People are going to want to take him out. There's going to be a bounty put on his head. And then once he gets taken out, what's going to be the incentive for his lieutenants or whoever it is that he's hired to be his mercenaries to continue on in the fight? Who's going to cut them the paycheck? I mean, it just it doesn't seem to be very realistic what you're talking about. Yeah, I I don't know. I I just know that throughout history that, um, you know, there's always been those people that want to amass power and control others. Jim, welcome to my life. This is what my uh, this is what my job's like is arguing with this guy about this particular issue. <laughs> Let him be and, in charge of a neighborhood association. Here's man. The, that should be good enough. Here's the solution I've come up with at this point, uh, Jim. Is hey, let's free New Hampshire together, and then you people can have some little area where you can have your freedom world, free land of Keene. And then the rest, of course, I have to of, of course I have to work with him and, and come into this you know godforsaken gun smoke. There's city no gun to your head. Um, but the um, and and then we'll the rest of us can just have a government that does cops, courts, and uh, and causeways. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds like a deal. If you can uh, talk my wife into it, I'll be there in about three months. If I can talk her into it, put her on the phone. <laughs> she's not here right now. In fact, that's why I'm talking to you. She's not here. Oh, okay. Is it that bad? She's really against the idea of moving to New Hampshire. Well, Asia? no, we've, we're just both from an area where our family's been here for many generations. And I see. Wouldn't want to leave that, and I wouldn't either. But I'm. I'm willing to. No, I didn't want to leave Florida either. In that uh, in that sense, I would have liked Florida to have been, uh, you know, the place that became free. However, the uh, the the our founding fathers, the Pilgrims or whomever, landed here in uh, in in the Northeast. So this is where we are. Well, and you know, this is one of those issues that those people that are looking at the idea of achieving more freedom are really going to have to come to grips with. Uh, if you if it's true, and I believe it is. If it's true that the best chance for freedom in your lifetime, liberty in your lifetime, is is here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, then uh, you really have to start asking yourself, what do you value the most? Uh, Do you value the chance at freedom uh, and bringing whoever's in agreement with you along with you? Or do you value your family enough to stay where you are, stick it out, and do your best to, you know... Try to minimize the damage to you and your family. It's I, not an easy question. I to don't handle. blame you either way. You, cho- you know, whatever your choice, it's your choice. It's your life. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I'd like to think that your families, uh, your, the family members that care the most about you, would come with you, would see the value in freedom, would see the value to their family and the future of their generations in freedom, and come here to New Hampshire. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. 
Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They, don't, they know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. It's SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, let's continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. We'll go to Duncan, listening in Canada. Duncan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hello there. Hi there. How are you? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Duncan? Uh, well, I was, um, I've been listening to uh, the station for a little while there with Alex Jones first and um, now this program. Um, I have a uh, personal experience with uh, censorship from the United States. And what's that? And um, I've also got, uh, uh, well, in in my opinion, uh, a solution for how people can actually arm themselves without using any weapons. Um, Okay, that sounds interesting. Let's start with the first thing uh, about the censorship. What is it that you've experienced? Um, well, back in 1996, there was a bill in the Senate called the Telecommunications Reform Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Um, well, uh, Hotwired Magazine organized um, an online protest, which I participated in. And uh, the protest was against the, the Reform Act. And all the participants were assigned... Um, we were supposed to just simply write an essay, a short essay, about what freedom of speech meant to you personally. Okay. So um, I started writing an essay to participate in the uh, protest, and um, the essay turned into a website, which uh, I uh, teamed up with some friends that I met, um, who were they were uh, act, political activists type okay. of people who so how did this to, how did the censorship come in? Well, first of all, um, I'll try to get to the point here quickly if I could please. Um, the censorship happened when I published a, a declaration of independence for cyberspace. Mm-hmm. We were trying to stake claim to cyberspace as a new territory for sovereignty worldwide. Okay. And uh, I created a, uh, like, a, I was trying to, to get a global community together on, on, on this website as a local, like, to, to make the, the global Internet useful for the local people, mm-hmm. and it would be used to connect people from around the world Sounds like a good idea. Who shut you down? How did that happen? Uh, well, um, it was back in the day of the 300 baud modem, and I would log in using a dial-up connection every time, and uh, I used the speakerphone to actually listen to the the modem's voices, right? And uh, you know, you remember how it would sound? Like yes, the, uh, it sounds like a bunch of digital hash. It sounds like the uh, right, like a fax uh, machine. Like Yes, exactly. Um, so during the protest, uh, the protest was organized by Dave Weiner through from uh, Hotwired Magazine. He was uh, an, edit, uh, an editor there, and uh, 
um, there's three domains that actually blocked. Eventually, my connection was blocked with a death tone. Your connection was blocked with a with a what? They they sent uh, a file to my my computer through a list serve. The list serve was organized for all of the participants of the protest. And when okay. I sent, what, what when year I sent, was this that this uh, that this was uh, happening? This was happening. 1996. And you had a 300 baud modem in 1996? Oh, sorry, no, it was a 9600 baud. Okay, so you were using your 9600 baud modem to connect to the internet, and you believe that your your paper was uh, or your 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 essay about freedom of speech was censored by someone who uh, put some sort of special tone on your your phone line. Yeah, I actually found. So, so you were hosting – point of information. You were hosting your uh, paperwork – and I'm getting some talk back here, so it's a little confusing. But uh, you were hosting your paperwork on your own computer? Or you're just saying that somebody was uh, preventing you from even uploading this essay in the first place? Um, no. When I, I – I was able to participate in the listserv at first, and uh, when I – when I announced my my declaration of independence for this new, I created a virtual country for cyberspace, where anybody uh -huh. can join and declare themselves independent from existing government because okay. we uh, we do not agree with what they're doing. I, I absolutely understand where you're, where you're coming from there. So okay, just try to explain well, to me exactly what happened that you believe was censorship. I'm I'm still a little confused because somebody okay. put messed with your okay. phone line. Okay, um, I was. Having uh, discussions with all of the other members on the list serve about the protest that was happening, mm -hmm. and then I I started writing my essay. I wrote, and it turned into a virtual country. And then when I announced, when I published the uh, announcement to the list serve, that message never made it back to the listserv, because every message you send to a listserv... Yeah, it goes out to the recipients. Your inbox, right? So you're saying that somebody, somebody snagged that, that it was, uh, it was pulled. It was snagged, and then within 12 hours, the announcement came through, but it was a different declaration what? of independence. They re-edited it and claimed Who's it as they? their own. If you do a search on the internet right now for declaration of independence for cyberspace, you will find the other copy that they made which makes who uh, is it who is it that you're accusing they of being who who okay dave we dave weiner so just a couple of people you're not saying it's the government no no aol.net wired magazine and worldnet.net are the three domains that i traced so basically you're saying you believe that these private companies uh, got involved which i don't think that's really censorship that's them deciding they to use the mole hunt for is... freedom fighters. They 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 put out the call to arms for people. They actually said this is a call to arms for everybody who who is worried about the declar or the. Uh, why is this something that I, I'm sorry? Why are you so concerned about this now in 2009? I mean, you said this happened back in 1996. You could put whatever you wanted to put online today, and odds are very good it won't it wouldn't be pulled down. I mean, it seems to me like this is really old news. What's what's the uh, why is this so so hot for you? Well, because uh, what was 
uh, all wrapped up in that was was a, a, a long-term plan to enable people on the internet to communicate with other people on the internet privately. We um, have that today. It's called encryption. You know, instant messages with encryption. Uses it. Encrypted. Well, that's that's their problem. I mean, there are people that are using people encryption use out there. Are, well, it, encryption should have been mainstream, just like when we use snail mail. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I mean, most people don't feel the need to encrypt their uh, their their emails. I don't encrypt mine. I just use Gmail, and it does a you know yes. a, a fine job of yeah. of taking care of things. I, it seems I, to me that you're well, you know you're really harping on something that happened back in the '90s that would not be hard for you to duplicate today. I mean, if you had this idea back then and you want to start your own website, you can you know buy website hosting from somebody that lives in another country, and it's very unlikely anybody's going to stop you. I mean. We don't hear stories like this today about uh, people having their radical ideas taken down from the Internet. You can find all kinds of uh, crazy and radical stuff out there on, on the Internet. So I guess I fail to see where the issue is here. I understand that you have a gripe against certain companies that you believe are were conspiring, and I don't know if there's any evidence of this, but uh, that you believe that, that were conspiring to stop your particular essay from reach the Internet. But that happened a long time ago, and it doesn't qualify as, as censorship, really, because that you weren't really ever guaranteed any freedom of uh, operation on their property in the first place unless you were explicitly guaranteed that in which case you then have a you know maybe a court case against them or something like that but when a private person with their private property decides to say well i don't want you speaking here that's their prerogative so similarly this is free talk live and you are allowed to call in about anything but when we're finally done with the call we've got to let you go and i thank you for the call just because you had more to say doesn't mean that you're being censored. It just means that I'm exercising my rights over the as the you know programmer of this radio show to move on, go to the news, and you know get to hour number three. It's not necessarily censorship. So I, I still fail to see what the issue was. If you want to get your essay on the internet, put it online. Who's stopping you? Don't tell me it's some conspiracy because you can go online and do it right now, and no one's going to stop you. It's free talk live. Hour three's coming up. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching into the third hour of the program. Bring up whatever you want by dialing the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And we're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com, all the features we give to you. So enjoy on us, freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is the show where you can call about anything if you're brand new to the program and you want to give that a shot. Give it a try. I mean, we mean it. Virtually anything goes. Obviously, you guys still have to be within the FCC's guidelines, but you can bring up the topic. Let's go to your phone calls and start things out with Matthew, the intern in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Matthew. Nick, ouch. Nick, Ian, and Mark. Hi. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Ouch. Are you okay? Well, yeah, no, because it, I have my, head, my wireless headphones in because here in California, you have to have them. And I had them in, and then the sound clicked over. But anyway. Oh, I got you. Okay, I'm calling because in the last couple of nights, um, 
I'm a podcast listener, and it started off with the whole Gates thing in Cal- uh, in in uh, the Obama thing when he got arrested, yeah. and then the Christian anarchist called last night. So, like, two nights in a row, you've had, like, this, like, kind of African-American subject matter with no African-Americans to comment on it. And I'm like, that's kind of like Fox News doing something on, like, this is what black people think. Like, how the hell do you know? Right. It's, anyway. it's really it's really inappropriate uh, for, for um, you know, us to be going on about it. But what are we going to well, do? You I think know? we acknowledged that right. last night when uh, after Gene's call, after he had called in about Ebonics and making some pretty sweeping and uh, what I considered unfair statements about uh, black people and, and the way some of them speak. Uh, I think we pointed out at the end of his call that it's kind of pointless for a bunch of white guys to sit here and, and speculate on this, and we would really like somebody who is of the blacker persuasion to call in, and here you are. Well, I am of the blacker persuasion. Um, and here's the thing that is going to probably a lot of white people probably don't know, that that term is actually offensive to most blacks because we sound just like everyone else when – when we close the doors and we go into our own little private like areas, we sound just like everyone else. We're articulate, we're well spoken, and it's it's the same thing. Like this ebonics term would be the same thing. Like getting uh, I don't know Nicholas Cage or some surfer dude uh, McConaughey and have him talk and go like, "Hey, dude, what's up?" and have that be like, "Oh, that's how white people talk." So we're gonna label that some valley mall girl like, "Oh my God, Tiffany is so awesome." Yeah. You know, that'd be the same thing as labeling that as white speak. Like not every white person speaks like that. Well, that's, and that's what I was pointing out is uh, that's certainly the case that uh, not every black person speaks in this, you know, the so-called ebonics in the same way that, you know, down south, not everybody has a southern drawl. I mean, there's... I'd like to tell a story about my uh, the godfather of my child, Julian, um, who uh, he used to work at... He's a mulatto, right? And, you know, whatever, whatever terminology you want to use, he, he certainly self-identifies as black. Um, and... but. He used to work as a life insurance salesman. He'd call people up and go to their home and uh, scare the bejesus out of them and sell, sell them life insurance. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he had one instance where um, where he had uh, set an appointment with a gentleman um, in Braden, Tucky. And uh, that guy said, uh, you know, I, I think he, he set the appointment and then called back and, um, you know, to, to verify the appointment a few days later or whatever. Yeah. And the gentleman said something to the effect of just don't bring any black people with you. Oh, gosh. And I, I, you know, I use the accent. I don't know for certain that the the guy has a southern accent. Just guessing. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, Julian doesn't sound any different than any guy. I mean, you're not going to be able to tell his color over the telephone. Where yeah. you know, some some black people you can by their accent, and some you can't. And it, you know, it, it, it's all just generalizations. But it's generally. But, but wait true. a minute. Wait a minute. There's a difference between an accent mm-hmm. and I think ebonics, right? Because ebonics yeah. is a dumb way of talking, whereas an accent is, uh, you know, just an accent. Well, it's dumb in the way like when you hear like the surfer guy, like you know, gnarly dude. It's like it's. Not proper English. Right. I wouldn't say people who use it are dumb. I would just say no. that no, there's you. Do, you wouldn't use it in a job interview. Right. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I mean, Go I think on. that uh, surfer speak is dumb sounding too. So I'll be yeah. fair with my accusations there. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm, I'm, now I'm interested in the story. So the guy. Oh well, uh, Julian didn't go. He uh, stood him up on the appointment. I, I think he just didn't want to talk to him after that. Right. Um, I, I, you know, why look for trouble when there isn't any? Sure. And uh, he just didn't go to the guy's house. Right. Well, just I just want to put that out there that like most blacks 
I'm from the Bay Area, and when it came out in 96, the Oakland School Board is the people who put this in the mainstream because they were going to designate Ebonics as an as a, its own dialect of English language. And black the black community as a, as a whole just went, you got to be freaking kidding me. Like, no way you guys are going to do this. And where, know, is, totally, where does it come from, Matthew? I mean, wh- uh, what is the entomology or the history of, I guess entomology only has to do with the word, but well, the history of this uh, particular way of speaking? Well, in 1970, there have always been, in, any, in all cultures, there's a way that teenagers and youth speak to be hip, to mm-hmm. be cool. You know, I remember watching American Graffiti and thinking, wow, those kids, I don't understand what they're saying, you know. But anyway. Groovy. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, in 1973, Robert Williams coined the term. Uh, he's an uh, African-American author, and he coined the term in 1973. But it wasn't until 1996 when the Oakland School Board uh, made it official, an, an official language. And, and like I said, the black, we were outraged. Africa, every African-American I spoke to were like, you, I, we cannot believe this is going on. This mm-hmm. is not a language. This is just slang. And so I don't, we, don't, we don't know why to this day this, was, this, this term was coined, and it was given to us. Like, have you ever heard of Eminem? Have you ever heard of, a, like, Kevin Federline talk? They, like, they sound ghetto as heck. Right. And they put it on us. Like, excuse me? How did that happen? But Where does hey, it, I just had to put that out there. <laughs> what's, what's the history of it, though? I mean, do you know? I mean, does it come from – I mean, I could speculate, but I'd, I'd like to ask you as somebody who well, may be a little bit more uh, in the loop on these things. I mean, it, does it come from just people not uh, passing on an educated way of speaking to generation to generation? Uh, are people affecting that particular uh, dialogue in order to make an impression on their peers, and then they can affect a different one at a different time? I mean, wh- how is it applied? Where does it come from? Well, it's all in the effort, and I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, so I mean, take it for what it's worth, but it's, I think it all comes from the effort to be cool. I mean, when my mom and dad uh, I remember them talking about when they were my or teenagers, and they would use different words to to be the outside culture, you know, not to be the mainstream. And then, and then like mainstream picks it up, so you've got to come up with something new. Because mm-hmm. if you say groovy today, you know, it wouldn't be cool. So you guys, you kind of come up with the next thing, and that's all it is: is the pursuit of the next thing. So if, like, if someone says today, and probably this will be the first time you've ever heard this on Free Talk Live, but if someone says for shizzle my nizzle. Then you know that I mean that's the next thing, and then ten years from now that'll be on some McDonald's commercial or some Burger King commercial. Somebody be saying that, so the <laughs> kids who want to be cool have to move on to some. I promise you, look, ten years from now they'll be on a commercial. You know, but, you yeah. you make me think of the uh, you make me think of kind of the dumbing down trend for commercial slogans and things like that. I mean, today you've got McDonald's. I'm loving it. Uh, you know, maybe in ten years it'll be McDonald's faux shizzle. I mean, just kind of the, <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. I just want to get that out there. All right, man. Thank you for the call tonight. I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> 800-259-9231. Finally, someone qualified to speak on the topic. Yeah. I think I have said for shizzle on the show before. Have you really? Yeah. Did you add the my nizzle as well to the no, end? I don't think so. No? <laughs> All right. Toll-free number. I'm not sure I have a nizzle. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, you can bring up whatever you want. And and I think it does tie back into the what I had said about, I remember when I was in school, it was cool to be kind of dumb. Being stupid was hip in, in a way. And, and I, if you want to 
act stupid, you kind of have to talk stupid. And I think there's a lot of different ways you can do that, uh, whether it's Ebonics or talking like a Cockney from uh, from Great Britain. You, or, you certainly harp you know, on some, that Cockney thing. But it, it sounds dumb to me, doesn't it? it? It's That actually served a legitimate purpose, though. Cockney rhyming slang was used mostly so that the lower classes could keep bosses in factories and police officers from knowing what they were saying. Well, doesn't isn't that similar to what he was just saying about uh, you know coming up with new phrases so you can be in the loop, you can be cool, and other people can't? Isn't that the same purpose? Yeah, but I mean, at some at some point, it does serve a practical purpose. I mean, if you've got slang and the police can't understand it, yeah, it works. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up whatever you want. We'll take your calls. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. Yeah, Nick. And Mark. We invite you online at freetalklive.com. We've got a Facebook profile, and you can get to it pretty simply by just going to facebook.freetalklive.com. You can become a fan there. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. As we go uh, to your phone calls here in moments, but first I want to tell you about Audible.com. It's the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose, and in every genre, Audible has it covered. Get your free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. As we go to ladies first, D is in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, D. Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, sorry, you're not a lady. Uh, apologies, mm-hmm. I saw the the name D and uh, figured it was a female. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, oh yeah, 100% male. Sounds that way. We'll take yeah, your word for uh, it. I just wanted to comment uh, on the phonics uh, issue or whatever. Uh, I heard the gentleman before me, and I thought he made a really valid point. But um, the way I feel, too, I think... Uh, I think education also has a, has a has a bit of a factor in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you know, African Americans for a long time, weren't provided the same education and uh, schooling that you know the rest of America received. So, therefore, their English uh, was you know a little different, and that's... to some or the rest of America probably found it a little bit worse. But that's just the way that they talk. Yeah, that was going to be my speculation if I had to speculate on uh, why that why Ebonics, for lack of a better term, is uh, the way it is, would be that they had a, a tough place to start from, you know? I mean, once the uh, the slaves were freed, uh, they, the, that was not an easy place from which to start. And well, they it's not like they, they the learned same... English when they were freed, either. So, I mean, yeah. they, they um, lived in uh, their own cultural group for a, a long time, and whether that's, uh, in, you know, enslaved or less slaved, which is what they became afterwards, mm-hmm. um, they, they still lived in their own cultural groups, so they were uh, somewhat insulated from you know, getting you know, the normal type of English. And then eventually when you get here to where we are today or within the last few decades, popular culture, I think, helps reinforce some of those bad uh, speaking habits, and it does exactly. become cool, it does become you know, um, hip to affect certain types of lingo, and then here we are, right? Yeah, exactly, man. 
All right, cool. Anything else Thank on you. your mind tonight? Oh, well, I mean, uh, who do y'all like in college football? What do I like in, who do I like in what football? College football. I don't pay attention to that stuff. Either of you guys do? I'm not a sports guy either, which I know is unusual. But I usually stick with the Florida Gators. D, here's another question. Here's a question for you. Where are you at in Alabama? I'm in Montgomery. Montgomery. Have you, did you hear about, uh, I think, is it, is it Birmingham where they shut down the government? Yep. And it was um, it, there was also a place in Alabama where they were uh, locking people up for having saggy pants too. That's true. Yeah, have, have you heard anything about that uh, as far as uh, Alabama County being sh- shut down? Basically, any any uh, anarchy breaking out down there in in Alabama that you've heard of? Uh, I haven't actually. I've just got back. I was um, I was staying in Chicago for a couple of months, so uh, the news right now is kind of new to me. But I, I have not heard about that. All right. Well, thank you for the call. I'll give you a, a quick update here on it in moments. I thank you. Good hearing from you, D. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. All right. So foxnews.com uh, reporting here. And, and you know what? This is from last week. And I, I did a search yesterday, and I didn't see an update. So honestly, I haven't looked today. So if, if this isn't the latest news, I apologize. But Jefferson County has closed satellite offices in outlying communities. We talked about this not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before it where this county is, they're in a a major budget crisis, and they've had to basically slash their workforce. They've laid off more than a 1,000 employees, which is about a quarter of the public workforce, slashing more than $4 million from the sheriff's budget and other places. Sheriff Mike Hale, who lost a court battle to block the county commissioners from making the cuts, said public safety is critical in his district. After the cuts, he even asked Governor Bob Riley to consider sending in the National Guard to supplement his deputies in the event of layoffs. Now, I don't know if that has happened yet. It's my understanding it was just requested of the governor to do that. But that is certainly something I wouldn't have expected, and it's very—it's an interesting result. That is that uh, if a government, a local government, decides to cut itself down, as the Jefferson County has done, that's an excuse, apparently, to bring in the police state. So because the government is having a tough time, that's why the National Guardsmen would need to be in the streets? And it's very interesting that a government being cut in size is the reason to bring in the troops. Well, I mean, that's the invitation being made by the, the sheriff. The, the sheriff. So that's what he would like to see. Of course, I, it would require the order of the governor. So the governor would have to be on board, and I'm not sure why he would be. Now, are National Guard mem- uh, Guardsmen allowed to engage in law enforcement activities? Uh, th- not generally. There's, they there are a used for riot control. Yeah. I mean, they are used during times of emergency in the same sense that the militia was traditionally used. So right. they were used to put down unrest, but it, generally speaking, they, are, they have not traditionally been used for policing. Well, this is the one of the problems with uh, having do, done away with the militias and using the National Guard as though it is a militia. Mm-hmm. Um, under the control of the the governor is that now you have the national guard, which is really the army. I'm sorry, I mean they're yeah. dr- they're drawing people up and you know making them serve uh, it's full federalized. terms. The president can take it over whenever he deems fit. Right. right. So you've got you've got the governors, uh, you know, having a piece of the army as opposed to the militia. It's it's they're blurring the lines of what the, this country was founded on. I believe Alabama does have a state guard, though. Of course, it's probably just being overlooked here, but Alabama does have the resources where if they needed to, they could use an unarmed state guard to do those things. 
There does seem to be a little bit of news about this today. Uh, their legislature will be tackling, tackling, as though they're actually working hard in some way, uh, ways to come up with a, at least a temporary solution to debt-laden Jefferson County's financial troubles. The densely populated county is burdened with 3.2, it's their most densely populated county actually, burdened with 3.2 billion in outstanding sewer system debt that's having, and it's having difficulty paying more than $750 million in swap termination fees, the result of wrong way interest bets designed to lower its interest rates. What does that mean? I am not a uh, economics guy at all. $750 million in swap termination fees, the result of wrong way interest bets designed to lower its interest rates, meaning they were gambling? Yes. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the wrong way interest bets are, but essentially what it sounds like is municipalities generally take take out bonds to pay for big projects, and right. they have a certain interest rate attached to that. So it sounds like they were speculating on what the interest rate would be to try to get a lower rate, oh boy. and they somehow got screwed. Well, I know that uh, Orange County, California, and that other counties have uh, participated in this. Have uh, you know they, they did, I think it's been more than a decade now, they, they basically went bankrupt by speculating on derivatives, mm-hmm. which are based on commodities. They're, they're, they're sort of a, a multiple of you know, the ups and downs in the commodity market. So, well, it's uh, nice when you've got other people's money to speculate with, right, which is they, what the government does. And they did poorly, and you know, that's all that happened. And that's, uh, that ties back into the, the CAFR, the Comprehensive Annual Financial Reports, which are the, the true books for the government that shows all of their assets and, and liabilities. And you can see how much money they, they're actually out there investing and doing things with in order to pay, off their, you know, to pay their pensions and things like that on into the future. More on the way here. You can take control. So if they blow it, then it's not their money. It's yours. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the website. The features are free. We have a chat room. It's open 24 hours a day, but the best time to be there is during the show. Chat.freetalklive.com. It's free, of course, like the rest of our site chat.freetalklive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word of the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. We go to Nick in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I wanted to give you guys a little story about how me and some friends got messed with a couple of weeks ago. Oh, boy. Who messed um, with you? Yeah, we we were on a road trip. We drove up to Michigan here from Texas, and on the way back, we decided to stop in Kentucky at Mammoth Caves, which is a large, uh, large well, they cave. have a cheap place to stay, mm-hmm. to camp out at, and so uh, we were sitting around. Uh, we had just made some spaghettios on the fire, you know, having mm. a fun time. Camp food. And yeah, exactly. And we wanted to smoke some tobacco that we had gotten. Uh-huh. Actually, we had also bought a uh, uh, a bleeding heart hatchet, which uh, the Native Americans call it because uh, whenever you 
killed somebody with a hatchet. It was supposed to take away a piece of your heart, and it was a really cool thing that we had picked up while we were up in, on our trip. Okay. And uh, so we'd bought some rope tobacco to smoke out of it, and uh, we had also picked up some stuff that the Indians called kniknik, which is uh, blueberry leaves, uh, white, was it white sage, cedar, things that smell good and you know taste kind of nice, just something to have. Mm, all right. And um, so we were sitting around the fire smoking the stuff, just you know having a good time, chilling out. Yeah. And out of nowhere, like ninjas, two lights and uh, two lights appear. You know, put the pipe down and put your hands behind your back. Oh no. For a second, I thought we were getting jacked because I didn't know what to think. And you were we on, saw... uh, you were at the Mammoth Caves camping out, basically, right? Exactly. Okay. And um, so next thing we know, the three of us, uh, it was me, my girlfriend, and my friend, we'd gotten thrown in cuffs. Mm. And we didn't have anything. We showed them, you know. They, didn't, they even had commented, oh, we don't smell any marijuana, you know. And they went through the litany of checking our IDs, asking if we had any alcohol or anything like that, and... They pretty much, you know, found out that we were clean. Now, you know, are these forest clean. rangers? Actually, yeah, they were um, federal park rangers. So Mammoth Caves is a federal property? It's um, They have a small um, federal park, I guess, mm-hmm. with uh, camping grounds. and. So you were uh, on the federal camping grounds? Exactly, Gotcha. Yes. And, like, they ended up tossing my friend's car. Oh, jeez. Yeah, well, it, it started off pretty innocent, actually. Oh, hey, do you mind if we search your car? Of course. No, sir, we have nothing to hide. Right, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say, do you mind if we tear your car apart, leave everything on the ground, yeah. and then uh, have you clean it up? I mean, who's going to say that? Exactly. So you guys didn't know enough to say no to the search, or what happened? We there? were trying to just, I mean, all of us are avid users of marijuana. Uh-huh. I, I'll just admit it. And that actually kind of goes into the story a little bit more. But um, so we had, you know, we were like, okay, we don't want any trouble at all. You know, we'll just give them what they want. We actually had made it a point to stay clean during the trip. That way we didn't have any worries. Usually good, uh, a good practice for people that smoke marijuana is to not take it with them any place, you know, that, uh, that they're traveling. So exactly. you actually did not have marijuana in the car or on your person or in your bags or anything like that? Apparently me and my girlfriend didn't. But we ended up finding out that a friend, that our friend, even though he explicitly had said, "Oh, I swear to God, I went through everything. I swear to God, I went through everything," he had left one of the people who smoke and that are listening will probably know what I'm talking about. But those little baggies that you can get, he had one of those little and dime I bag swear, or something. Exactly, and I swear to you that there was not more than dust left in it. Mm-hmm. He's going th- as he he's going through the the car and he finds my friend's backpack starts going through the backpack, of course, you know, reaching yeah. every little nook and cranny, and he finds this baggie, oh. and he comes over to us, and, you know, all of us freeze, because none of us, well, me yeah. and my girlfriend knew that we were clean, but obviously... And that's why you allowed them to search, was because you thought that the car was clean. As far as I knew, we were, you know, clean as a whistle, no problems at all, and <laughs> as far as he's thought supposedly we were clean yeah that's the thing with with a pot with pot smokers i mean if you're avid as you said an avid pot smoker that means that you're you know you're likely using it at home you're maybe using it at work you're you know using it fairly often and uh, as an avid pot smoker there's a good chance that you know sometimes if you're traveling with marijuana a bud's going to get put somewhere where you didn't think that uh, you put it and even if you believe you've removed your smoking uh, device and you know all of the apparatus uh, the, the apparatus that uh, that goes along with that you you could be wrong just because you know you might have overlooked a bud in the bottom of the you know other corner of your bag or something like that and that's basically what happened here was he he spaced out 
he didn't realize that he, he had that little baggie, and they caught him with it. Exactly. So I thought we were going to get thrown in jail. I thought our entire trip had been ruined. Actually, we were on the back end of the trip, so I thought that we weren't even. Get, we were actually supposed to be getting back home in a day or two, mm-hmm. and I thought we were we were screwed at that point. And um, they ended up actually cutting him a two hundred and fifty dollar ticket, um, <laughs> and telling us to after they finished tearing the car apart and deciding that we didn't have anything else and that we were legit by them. Uh, they decided to you know tell us to have a good night and enjoy your camping sure. trip. Wow. And, um, well, better than going to jail. Did he actually end up paying the uh, the two hundred fifty dollars? He had to. He, if he was to fight it, he would have to drove back up to Kentucky, and from Texas, it, it would have cost the exact. What will happen had. though? I mean, it, if you don't pay a federal two hundred fifty dollar fine from a forest ranger, are they just going to not allow you into the forest again? I mean, what are, what are they going to do to you? He actually explained that uh, he would have had a federal warrant out for his arrest, and since there are, uh, since as he put it, that there are. Um, I guess officers in every state because it's a federal mm-hmm. um, department that he, somebody would be coming for him. I bet he's right too. I wonder about that. I mean, well, our friend Russell Canning, one of the activists up here, or the publisher of the New Hampshire Free Press, went to the the airport and did I forget which protest. I think he did a couple protests at the airport, but anyway, the TSA gave him a fine of what was it, a couple <laughs> thousand dollars or something like that. And Russell just basically laughs at the thing and, and doesn't do anything about it, hasn't done anything about it. They stopped sending notices, and they and I believe he's been back in an airport since then, but I'm not, I'm not positive. Obviously, I don't have him here to ask him that, but it seems as though they've given up on uh, their attempts to collect that fine. And, you know, where does their... their we all know, like, TSA members are nothing more than glorified, like... Um like hallway monitors, really. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, today, but, but it's really, fine. <laughs> what, what were uh, you know what were forest rangers uh, whenever they you know a few years after they became federalized, yeah. whenever they became federalized. I, all I'm saying is a federal fine seems to be a federal fine to me. A lot of a lot of times the FCC will levy a a, a fine, and has anyone ever challenged it? Has anyone ever re- refused to pay? According to the uh, oh boy, what's the website? It's not Radio Free Berkeley. It's one of those California pirates, pirate stations or community stations. They've got a, a guideline as to how to kind of go about things if you're going to run a pirate station. And they basically said that if you don't pay the fine, they're not going to enact collections on you because, at least with the FCC's case, no one has ever challenged them on a First Amendment issue because they've never actually tried to collect the fine. So so basically they scare people and they say, well, you owe us this money. And if you never pay, they don't actually go after you because then there would be something that could be t- taken uh, action on in a federal court and it could be challenged at that point. So they'd much rather just say, hey, you've got a fine, and then cross their fingers and hope that their intimidation tactics will get you to pay it. I just wonder if the same thing's going on with the Forest Service or if, you know, are they bluffing or do they really have the ability to serve a federal forest warrant on your home and uh, and come and get you. It wouldn't surprise me if they could. I've heard uh, that forest rangers are the most powerful law enforcement officers in the uh, in the nation in that they're both judge, jury and executioner of the uh, of, of the offense that they're talking about. They can confiscate your uh, you know your your boats, your rifles and everything right there on the spot. So what did That's you learn? What, I've heard. what did you learn from your experience? Well, I learned our friend probably we need to double check him if we're ever going anywhere with him. But also um, I learned that, you know, even I don't know that. So, I don't know. The authorities can ruin a really good trip. Cause they can do fun. that. Here's what I would take away: 
even if you think your car is clean, refuse the search. In fact, that's the best reason to refuse the search, because you got you don't have anything to hide, or at least you didn't think you did. Thanks for the call. Never say yes to police searches. You've got better things to do. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. And if you enjoy this program and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, some alternative options, amp.freetalklive.com. You know, we were talking with Nick there in Texas about his vacation he was on with uh, his girlfriend and, a, and another friend, and they were shaken down by the Federal Forest Patrol guys, or whatever the hell their name is, Department of Forestry and Services, and as though they're providing anyone with services when they're shaking them down. But that's what happened. They were out camping, and the cops came up, and and they asked them if they could search. And I just want to reiterate, because it's so important, because new people are always listening. If you are asked if you can, if you can be searched, if uh, you know if a cop or a forest guy or whoever the hell, whatever authority figure is asking you, if they're asking, they don't have a reason. If they're asking, they don't have, isn't it reasonable? Is it probable cause you need for a search or a reasonable articulable suspicion? I think it's probable cause. I would think you'd have to have probable cause yeah. to, uh, you know, to, to violate RAS to, You have to have RAS to pull someone over in the first place. Reasonable, articulable suspicion that, you know, there's a crime possibly being committed. Uh, I believe, and I could, be, I, I could be mistaken, and please, if law enforcement is listening, correct me. Uh, but if they're asking, and this I'm certain on, if they're asking, it means they don't have a reason. Because if they've got a reason, if they've got the probable cause that's necessary, they're just going to go ahead and search. They're going to step out you, of the car. Right. They're going to put you in handcuffs. And in this case, they weren't even in the car. So they didn't even have that kind of level of jurisdiction. They hadn't gotten pulled over. They were just camping. They, I could see how they, a law enforcement officer may ask, even if they feel that they have probable cause, because they feel it would be better to get consent get anyway, consent. just in case somebody challenges on, okay. on how much cause they actually had. But generally, However, if they're asking, it's because they're not sure they have enough cause to search your vehicle or your house or whatever it is they want to search. I think, by, I, think, I think to some extent you put yourself in a better position when you show that you know your constitutional rights. Um, I agree. And, you know, well, <laughs> it, uh, if you're asking me, officer, it appears as though you don't have probable cause because, you know, I'd have to give up my Fourth Amendment right. And it seems to me that it's best for the republic and everybody that I know if I retain my Fourth Amendment rights. Like, I think it's better for, uh, I, bet, I think it's better for America for you and for me if I keep my Fourth Amendment rights. So the answer to can you search my car is no. Yeah, you could go through a lengthy explanation like that if you want well, to. And I that don't may want be... to enrage the officer. Yeah. An enraged officer is a bad thing. You understand? No, and I understand. The very fact that you're an 18, 19-year-old male with longer hair that smells of uh, you know some some uh, burnt uh, plant substance that mm-hmm. isn't tobacco enrages them. I mean, just seeing you, believe me, it enrages them. So you've, you've got to kind of you be soft with them. 
I'm afraid it does. I mean, you know. That, I appreciate you asking, officer, but uh, I've got, you know, other things I need to be doing, so I'd like to be on my way. Am have I a free good to evening. go? Thanks. Yeah. Am I free to go? Well, the problem is, is that they're at the, uh, um, at the, at the campsite. So it's yeah, essentially. Have a good evening. Thank you. We don't <laughs> you need are free your to service. go. We don't need your services here anymore. I appreciate the offer of your service to search my car and find something to arrest me on, uh, but no thanks. So just remember that if you're asked if you can search, say no. And it doesn't matter if it, you know, if you were driving or what the situation is. Anytime they ask, say no. Because if they're gonna search anyway, they're gonna search anyway. So there's and no. And at least you have the, uh, the you know, the, the fallback legal yeah. position to say, I told them no. Yep. Uh, so and th- also, um, any interaction that you can with a police officer, you know, try to record it. That's a that's a great idea. Have some sort of uh, device. If you can't broadcast to the internet, uh, that's the ideal situation. At the very least, do your best to record. And remember, if, if you get if you get a cop that is uh, so smart that he's going to force you to delete the recording, remember if you're recording to a hard drive or a flash uh, memory device, I'm not going to work with tape, obviously, but uh, hard drive or flash flash device, you can go in there with an undelete program later. As long as you haven't recorded anything after that, yeah. So that moment, at the at the moment that cop says, "I order you to erase that footage," and you have to erase it in front of him. At that moment, you close the, you know, show him that it's been erased. You close the camera. Okay, whatever. Do whatever you need to do to end the situation, and don't record again until you've tried the undelete program. Uh, there are a few of them out there. There are you know some freeware ones. You don't have to pay for. You can just download it and s- install it, um, and any the reason you can't continue recording is because if you if you when you when you delete something on a computer you don't actually delete it what happens is the hard drive gets rid of the file name or whatever so what it, what happens name. is there's a flag on that file that's a deleted flag or it's not you know flagged so basically when you hit delete on a file it disappears from your view but it's still, but it's still, still there, there. Um, so the the drive has gone and marked it as, or this operating system has gone and marked that file as deleted. Then it's then the operating system has the ability to write over that, that particular space. portion. It's going to use that space to record other stuff if that's what it feels like. Which doing. is why you should never record anything else again. Which right. is what happened with the the motorhome guys. They had gotten stopped at the Canadian border. They deleted one of the. Um, the things that they that they were ordered to delete, and then later they kept recording. So when they brought it here, and I tried to do the undelete on it, the files were trashed. Yeah, so gone. that's that's a tip. Uh, the the cops aren't smart enough to know to you know like take your memory card and it, I, maybe they will start doing these things as they as they get wise to undeleting. Uh, but for right now, you can you can well, get back that footage. Deleting is going to handle ninety nine percent of the cases um, with people with cameras i would also like to point out i think it's a good idea to just whip out a camera every time you see a police officer unless you're doing say cop watch or something like that some kind of activism mm-hmm. but if it on traffic stop the, the guy comes up and you're you're filming that's going to be a confrontational situation on a traffic stop what you're looking for is to uh you know to, to diffuse the circumstance with the officer as much as possible that way you might not got a night might not get a ticket however these two officers had walked up to their campsite yeah. they had they found them uh, setting on fire plant substance that was uh you know not to Tobacco, even though it was blueberry leaves or something, um, and and you know they they it was it was already on. So the, that's when the exactly. cameras sh- the cameras should have been out. I think there's something useful to what you're saying there, and and that is that once the cops really start to escalate, that's definitely when the camera should come out. If you bring the camera out in advance, you do face the possibility that the officer will give you a ticket because. 
he has to or something like that. Like he can't avoid it because he's on camera. He sure. feels like he has to operate in a, in a certain manner. Half the times I, I've gotten stopped, probably more than half, I've gotten warnings. But if they start escalating and ask you to get out of the car, well, that's when you pull that's the camera out. And what's that? That's never happened to me. I'm just saying. Yeah. If. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, well, let's go to the unscreened amp line. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. Ken in New Hampshire. I'm sorry, Jim? Ken in New Hampshire. Ken, what's on your mind, Ken? Well, uh, I'm not sure if you guys uh, talked about uh, the whole thing about William carrying the gun at the protest out in Portsmouth today. Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention that. The news media, the mainstream media, MSNBC, really freaked out today uh, that the anchors were were going ballistic over the fact that there was a free stater, a liberty activist, at the Obama town hall thing that they were having, which, from what I heard, wasn't a town hall as much as it was a political rally, because apparently almost everyone there were Democrats. Uh, some of the liberty activists up here did manage to get tickets, and so they, they infiltrated. But this guy wasn't even at the rally. He was apparently down the street from it. His uh, his name's William, and he was carrying a gun openly, which is legal in New Hampshire. And the MSNBC cameras spotted it, or maybe somebody told them about it. And it became national news. They had the they had William on hardball with, uh, I think, Chris Matthews, a real jerk. Uh, was a real one-note Tony. He just kept harping on him for bringing a gun to a political event. And uh, William did a pretty good job of defending himself. People can find that video. Yeah. I'm not sure what, where the easiest place to pull that up is. Do you know, Ken? I'll go to probably YouTube and um, you know type in either Hardball Chris Matthews or the guy with the gun at the Obama rally. But Go on Obama rally, well. yeah. That would probably work. Yeah, and that would kind of let me to my next point. So we're at the tap room tonight, and... Uh, you know, we uh, had the you know Keith Murphy turn down the music once the interview started playing on MSNBC, and we all we were gathered there watching it, you know, and just having a good old time, you know. And uh, so by the time the interview got over with, you know, we we're all giving a, you know a little, little applause, you know what I'm saying. And right at this time, the interview got, or the show was over. Here comes William walking in the room. He did this, this little little bow, and everybody gave him a standing ovation. It was pretty <laughs> sweet. Yeah, he did pretty good. You can see the video at freekeen.com. Um, I, oh, I, it's up there? Oh, okay, great. I, I think he did pretty good. Obviously, uh, you know, I, it, anybody's going to sit there and say, I could have answered those questions better, but you don't have, the pressure's Chris, on, you don't have Chris Matthews screaming at you or whatever the guy's um, name is from he Hardball. He was being a real uh, jerk. Just, uh, you know. <laughs> it's a job, though. I mean, it's called it Hardball for a reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I understood, uh, and, the, you know, William went on the show with a jerk. Yeah, we can all sit here and, and critique and say, well, he should have mentioned the Free State Pro. Project. You should have mentioned this and that, but you know, like you said, uh, I can't say I would have done any better. And I think he did pretty darn well. Kept his cool, definitely in the face of a, of a, a, a foaming malcontent uh, that was hosting the show. Thanks, Ken, for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. And we are out of time. It's been Ian here and Nick and Mark. See you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. 
on your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.